0: This is our second week in our series on the parables. We began last week by just kind of laying the foundation of this series, and we've set some parameters of which we're going to try to follow and stay within as we sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from his teaching. So this morning, we're just going to jump right into the text. We're going to look at a story found in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, and I'm going to read this story to you, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You can follow along in your Bibles, or it'll be on the screen. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his house and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has sown much love. But a person who is forgiven little, only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said amongst themselves, Who is this guy? That he goes around forgiving sins. And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus is invited over to a Pharisee's house for a meal. Now, the couple verses just prior to this, Jesus is accused of being a glutton and a drunk because he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors. He likes to eat and have a good time. Now, he's hanging out with the Pharisee. He, he's happy to eat with those who criticize him. I think Jesus just likes to be around people and to enjoy good food. It's my kind of guy. And when we hear the word Pharisee, we, we tend to think poorly because we don't really have a good impression of them from Scripture. Uh, these guys are the ones who try to trick Jesus and to trap him. These are the guys who are very judgmental toward others. These are the guys who make all these ridiculous rules and then criticize you and judge you when you don't stick to them. We can't forget, though, that the Pharisees were actually well-respected within the Jewish community of that day. You see, these are the guys who are trying to follow God and to protect the Jewish people. These are the guys who are trying to, to follow God's law. They're the overseers of the people. they were trying to live their life the way they thought God wanted them to. But along comes Jesus. He begins showing them that they are actually getting off track. He challenges their thinking and their way of doing things. And and Jesus came and began showing them and correcting them, trying to guide them back to actually where, where God actually wanted them. And this never ends well. I mean, no leader wants to be told they're getting it all wrong. Hey, you're, you're missing the point. You need to change the way you're thinking and what you're doing. Jesus is pointing this out to them. And so this is where the conflict begins between the Pharisee and Jesus. Now, the Pharisee we meet today is named Simon. And he invited Jesus to a banquet, to a a meal. And we don't know exactly what this invitation looked like, how it came about, or why it even took place. It's probably for one of a couple reasons. There's a meal that is similar to what we read about here that's called the Sabbath meal. It would take place on the Sabbath day. And Jesus, being a rabbi, being a teacher, he would be an honored guest to a meal like this, especially if he came to town on, on the Sabbath. And, and maybe Jesus even spoke in the synagogue that day. And so he would be an honored guest in the home of the Jewish leader in that town. Maybe, maybe Jesus just happened to be there and speaking. And so he's an honored guest. The other possibility is the Pharisee was actually trying to trick him trap him. He's trying to get Jesus to say something or do something that later could be held against him. Pharisees are known to do that as well. And so we don't know exactly how this invitation came about, but Jesus is at his house, eating and enjoying the food and enjoying the company, and all of a sudden, something very strange happens. A sinful woman appears out of nowhere at the feet of Jesus. Now this woman's sin isn't specifically given in the text, but she's known by it. She has a reputation all over town because of it. Her life is defined by the sin in her life. And and if you read, if you study this, most scholars are, are, are pretty unanimous on this, most scholars believe that she was the town prostitute. That's, that's the woman who shows up at this banquet for Jesus. They're sitting around a table now. A table would probably only be a few inches off the ground. I know that there are still some cultures today that eat like this. I'm glad we are not one of them and be very uncomfortable. But they were used to it as part of their culture. The table would be close to the ground They would all recline on their left side with their head toward the table and their feet pointed away from them. And so this is how they're positioned around the table. And Jesus, being the honored guest, he's probably right next to Simon, right next to the host. And this is how they're positioned. For all of us, this seems very strange. I mean, how would someone from the street, get into a place like this where this banquet is taking place, this, this feast, this meal. I mean, imagine planning a dinner party and inviting an honored guest, and all of a sudden, a person appears out of nowhere. Not just any person, a questionable person appears trying to get close to the guest of honor. I mean, we wouldn't put up with it, would we? Like, get out of here, what are you doing? I mean, we may even end up calling the police, escorting that person away. Well, things were a little different in the first century. It it wasn't unusual for people from the town to gather in a a place like this as a meal is going on. They would kind of stand against the wall and and they were welcome to come and and watch the festivities and hear the conversations. They may just be able to uh, talk to one of the guests or ask a question, but the main reason that this was open to people like this, they would come in hopes to get some leftovers. You see, this is kind of how the poor and the oppressed, those who are down and out, would would get some food. And so they would come and stand along the wall and watch what's going on. But really, they just wanted a little bit of food. And so this woman uses this to her advantage. You see, other people are coming in and out of the room, and, and no one notices her. And, and she finds Jesus and she ends up at his feet. And she doesn't seem distracted by anything. She has one goal in mind. And that is to get as close to Jesus as she possibly can. Now she seems to have been searching for him. The text says that she heard he was eating at Simon's house and she went at once. She, she wanted to find Jesus. She knew about him. Maybe she had heard him teach before. It's just very possible that she had a life-changing encounter with him before this time because of what she does next. It seems that there was something different about her now than previous before. That, That there was something that changed, and it all has to do with Jesus. All she wanted to do was give thanks and show gratitude and love to the man that changed her life. Maybe she did see him teach before, maybe even in the synagogue that day. Maybe she saw him heal people. All she wanted to do was give thanks and empty herself out to The one who offered her more than a few bucks for just a few moments of pleasure. And so she sought out Jesus at this dinner party. She has this little alabaster jar. It would have been kind of like frosted glass. It would have been really delicate and pretty. And it would hold extensive, expensive perfume. This was actually a tool of the trade. This is what she would use to get a man's attention and Lure him in. Now it would be emptied out before the Lord. What she does is so scandalous. It's unbelievable, really. She kneels at Jesus's feet, and she's so overcome with emotion that the tears just pour out of her eyes, just gushes out, and it's dropping on his dirty feet. And the moisture from her tears begins to mix with the dust from the road. And and she realizes this is making a mess. And so she looks for something to to clean his feet. And she can't find anything. The only thing she knows to do is let down her hair and wipe his feet clean. This is really scandalous. At, At this point in time, a woman could be divorced for letting her hair down in public. And she lets her hair down and wipes Jesus' feet clean. All sense of vanity is out the window. Uh, before, before her life had changed, she would have done everything to protect her beauty and keep her hair pretty and, and attractive. She doesn't care about that now. And She couldn't stop kissing His feet. She didn't know what else to do to communicate how grateful she was for Jesus and what he had done for her. And finally, she takes that alabaster jar of perfume and she breaks it open and, and pours it out on his feet. And the aroma filled the air. I wonder if there's anybody sitting around the table that recognized that perfume. People, people couldn't believe what they were seeing. It's scandalous. Is this really taking place right now? I mean, I imagine their eyes were as big as saucers and their chins hit the floor. They're like, what? And they're looking around, making eye contact with each other like, what? I can't believe this. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Where something that is just so out of the norm is taking place, you don't even know how to respond. You're just like, what? That's what's going on. They couldn't believe it. Simon's face isn't showing shock, though. His face is is communicating contempt. And, And the contempt is not directed at the woman. It's directed at Jesus. He is angry with Jesus and how he is reacting to all this. Jesus, you're supposed to be a prophet, aren't you? You're supposed to be a prophet of God. If you were a prophet of God, you know what kind of woman this is. And if you know what kind of woman this is, you wouldn't let her touch you. You would condemn her publicly. You would put her in her place and shame her and send her walking. But Jesus doesn't respond this way. He doesn't stop the woman from doing any of this. He does notice something different in the room, though he notices Simon's thoughts. He he reads what Simon is thinking. He looks to his heart and he sees this thought process playing out in Simon's mind. The process goes like this. If you were a prophet of God, you would know what kind of woman this is. If you know what kind of woman this is, you wouldn't let her touch her. But you're letting her touch her, touch you. Therefore, you're not a prophet. That's what Simon is processing. And Jesus sees that. Now it's ironic because Jesus doesn't prove himself to be a prophet by supposedly not knowing who the woman was. He proves he's a prophet because he can read Simon's thoughts. And this is where the parable comes in. Jesus told him this story. A man owed money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon heard this story, and he answered a question. He goes, well, I suppose the one who had the greater debt canceled. Good for Simon. He got that right. Uh, I'm not good at math. This kind of seems like a math problem, a word problem. Those are the worst, right? But I think we all would conclude the same. We all, it makes sense. The one who was forgiven more is going to show more love. Simon got the answer right. But I think he sensed his back was against the wall. I think he sensed that Jesus was about to do something or say something more to put Simon in his place. Jesus turns to the woman, but he continues to address Simon. This is such a tender moment between Jesus and this woman. She is knelt down at His feet, looking Him in the eye. I'm sure she feels the compassion that Jesus has for her. She feels safe and secure at the feet of of Jesus. Simon's sitting over there. He doesn't feel safe at all. The parable exposes Simon's attitude toward Jesus. You know, there's some things that are customary at a meal like this. And Jesus begins to, to bring those things out And he compares how he was treated that day, not only by the woman, but by Simon. And he compares them to the people in the parable. Here are the customary things that usually take place in a meal like this. They're not commanded, uh, but but it's just a a hospitality toward one another. First, there's um, feet washing. This is strange to us. We wouldn't like this at all today in our culture. It's really kind of gross. But you couldn't keep your feet from getting dirty by walking the dusty roads of Palestine in sandals. And so at a meal like this, it was customary for the host to um, have his servants wash the feet of the guest. Simon did not offer this common courtesy to Jesus. And then there's this greeting with a kiss. It was a common common way to greet someone and welcome someone into your home. There's nothing romantic about it, but it did show affection. Simon didn't show Jesus any affection at this meal. Now this isn't as strange to us because we live in a culture where that takes place. We see that. We experience that. Um, Even here at this church, I'm greeted with a kiss uh, more so than I would be if I was in the Midwest. That was common back then. Then there's this anointing with oil. Again, it's not a command. It's not mandatory. But it's common courtesy for the host to anoint his guest head with oil. It shows honor. That you're you're giving them honor for being there with you. Simon did not show Jesus any honor that day. And so Jesus begins to compare the way these two people had treated him. He said, Simon, you did not wash my feet. You did not greet me with a kiss. You did not give me oil for my head. But this woman, from the time I have seen her, she has not stopped wiping my feet clean. She has not stopped kissing them or pouring expensive perfume on them. You see this woman's expression of love and gratitude is a direct reflection of her heart. It's a reflection of the forgiveness that she has received from Jesus. But the lack of affection and gratitude that Simon has showed is also a direct reflection of his heart. And this is where we get to our takeaway today. Our attitude toward Jesus' forgiveness reveals our heart. Our attitude. For Jesus and the forgiveness that He provides reveals what's going on deep within us. Now I'm going to kind of break this down because we see this play out in the parable. We really see it play out in the context of the story. The first thing we've got to realize is that God freely forgives. He graciously and freely forgives anyone and everyone. Sins big and small. And this is where we see the absurd. God graciously and freely gives forgiveness. We don't have to do anything to earn it. It's not based on our merit, our goodness. He freely gives it. And it's available to even the worst sinners. Even those who we think aren't worthy. Or those sins that we deem too big for God to forgive. He forgives them. It's available to to all sin. That's the first thing we see. Now we see how these two people respond to that forgiveness. For Simon, his attitude is judgmental. He's more concerned at how Jesus is, is not correcting this woman, he's more concerned about how Jesus is handling the situation than he is the fact that this woman is being liberated from her sin. His judgmental attitude reveals that his heart is far from God and the things of God. You see, the one who really should understand who God is and understand God's goodness and His grace and His forgiveness, the one who should be uh, understand all those things, he's actually on the outside looking in. He knew nothing of love and gratitude toward Jesus. And then the woman, her attitude... Is extreme gratefulness. And she cannot help but honor Jesus with this outpouring expression of, of love because of the forgiveness that she has received. Her grateful attitude reveals that her heart is full of love and devotion to God. The outcast, the one who is on the outside, the one who is looked down upon by the religious elite, she is the one who receives forgiveness. Her grateful attitude reveals her heart is is full of love and affection and gratitude. Our attitude toward Jesus' forgiveness reveals our heart. Now, Jesus isn't done mixing things up at this meal. He wants to make it even more uncomfortable. And so he affirms with this woman that her sins are truly forgiven. They have, in fact, been forgiven Forgiven. They are many, he admits that, but he does say they are forgiven. This is why she came to find Jesus. This is why she she kneels and, and does the things that she does and, and cries and washes his feet and kisses them and anoints them with perfume. This is why she didn't hesitate walking into this room full of all these judgmental people looking at her She knows she has been forgiven. The only thing that she knew to do was go to Jesus and worship and praise Him and thank Him and love Him. I mean, isn't that all we have to offer? We we have been forgiven much. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He took our punishment for us. And the only thing we have in response is to worship Him and praise him and thank him for what he has done in our lives. That that's all that we have to offer. When Jesus looks at this woman and he affirms, Your sins are truly forgiven. And man, this didn't sit well around the table. All of Simon's cronies were sitting there shaking their head, Who is this guy? Who is he that he he says sins are forgiven? And again, Jesus looks at the woman and says, Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. What a powerful statement that is. This woman received forgiveness, and because she put her faith and trust in Jesus, she is saved. And those three words, go in peace, man, how that must have felt for her. It must have resonated deeply within her. Go in peace. She hasn't had a night of peace in a long time, maybe her whole life. That night, she would lay her head down on a pillow in complete peace. She may not look any different, but she is because Jesus has saved her. She's still going to have a lot of things to work out. She's going to have to deal with all the, the judgmental comments and those stares and people looking at her telling her that she's no good. She she may be have to struggle financially, have to find a new job. She still has to maybe overcome temptation in her life. She has a lot to go through, but she's living in peace because she knows she's forgiven. She no longer has guilt or shame or turmoil within. She's at peace now. Some of you need to hear this this morning. Some of you are looking for peace in your life. Maybe you've never experienced peace like this before. Because you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And the guilt and the shame that you live with because of the sin in your life. You know there's sin there. You know that you are broken and there's sin and you know there's nothing you can do about it. This is exactly why Jesus did what He did for us. This is exactly why Jesus died on the cross so that that our faith in Him would save us and we could live in peace. That forgiveness is available anytime for anyone who wants to accept it. Some of you need to hear this because you're carrying around guilt and shame with you from past sins. Sure, you've accepted Jesus. And, and you know you're forgiven, but, but there's that one thing or maybe two things from your past that you just can't seem to let go. The guilt and the shame just carries on. And Satan begins to use that and throw it in your face. You're no good. God doesn't love you. He doesn't forgive you for that. You're not worthy of being forgiven. Those are lies. We see in this story today, once we are forgiven, we can live in peace. so I begin to wonder where we fit into this story. Who do you relate to? Maybe you relate to the sinful woman. Maybe, maybe you do have this outflowing gratitude for what Jesus has done for you. Amen. I pray that is the case. I hope that's who you relate to. The only response that you know is to express your love and gratitude to Jesus for what He has done for you. I think that's where we all want to be in the story. But maybe you relate to Simon. You see, I'm afraid the longer that we are Christians, the longer we live the Christian life, the easier it becomes to become like Simon. To be a little judgmental. Maybe be a little cynical. Oh, Surely that person's not a Christian now. There's no way he could have turned his life around and been forgiven. We might be more concerned about how we think Jesus ought to respond to certain situations and certain people instead of celebrating what He's done in someone's life. You see, our attitude toward Jesus' forgiveness reveals our heart. Now, we might not realize it, but we have been forgiven much. Even if you haven't lived a life of prostitution or you're not a murderer or these, these huge you know immoral great sins maybe maybe you just break a little law you sin just a little bit it all separates you from god and you need the forgiveness of jesus we've all been forgiven much and jesus deserves our love and our affection and our praise and our worship for what he has done in our life you see our attitude Lord Jesus' forgiveness reveals our heart.